Hello, this is Nick Holland with Information Security Media Group, joined today by Nimit Sony, who is the co-founder and CEO of Votes. Nimit, thanks for joining. Thank you, Nick, for having me here. The perceived wisdom, as I understand it, is that mobile voting can be rife with fraud, can open to a ton of opportunities for interception, uh, data manipulation, even like nation state interference. So over the course of this conversation, I want you to prove me wrong. So first of all, can you just explain to me what votes is? And that is, just to spell it out, V-O-A-T-Z. So what is votes? Sure. So votes is a new elections platform. It's actually the youngest elections company in the U.S. We got started a little over five years ago, almost by accident, after winning a hackathon at South by Southwest in Austin, uh, Texas. So our premise has been that by using technologies which have been uh, proven to be successful in other industries uh, and by bringing them into the election space, we can improve the voter experience for voters who are the most disenfranchised, can't vote in person, can't vote in paper. So specifically, uh, smartphone, remote identity proofing, and then using uh, a blockchain-based infrastructure and digital receipting to create a very tamper-resistant but user-friendly process. Okay, very cool. So let's start with voter registration. So talk me through the registration process. I am a, I would like to vote. Um, what do I do? So in the US at least, the way it's set up is, currently the system is set up to be used by absentee voters, which is essentially voters who want to vote ahead of the actual election day um, and can't really vote in person. And so the typical process is you sign up or opt in to be an absentee voter. So you apply to your local jurisdiction, which would be your county clerk or your local elections office. And then you have a few options to choose there. Uh, depending on your eligibility, you can opt to receive your ballot by postal mail, which is the most common option. And if you're eligible, you can opt to receive your ballot electronically. And if you are eligible for electronic, then one of the options is, is a mobile voting platform, which is our platform. So essentially, after vetting your uh, initial uh, application, the elections clerk or elections official will come and provision you uh, on our system. And then you get a notification to download the app on your smartphone, whether it's a iPhone or an, or an Android. Uh, and then you complete an onboarding process, and that's that's essentially how you get started. Okay. So, how do you prove that I am who I say I am? How do you, that's how a do you great verify me. That's a great question. Um, so, the process is as you filled out the absentee voting application, you you provided some basic information about you to your clerk, which is you know your name, address. Um, some ID information, your mobile number and email. And they've, they've done a pre-writing on you. They've made sure you are an eligible voter in the jurisdiction. And then once they pre-provision you on the, on the votes platform, you download the app. You start with the same mobile and email you've provided to your clerk. And then it prompts you to do a, what we call as a remote identity proofing process. So you have to take a picture of a government-issued photo ID front okay. and back. So you can currently use a driver's license, you can use a state ID, you can use a passport. And um, if your document has uh, more than one side, then you're required to take pictures of both sides. 
and then it proceeds to ask you to do a live video selfie. So you have to move your face, blink your eyes, so it knows it's real. Okay. You're not, um, you know, doing a deep fake or a video of another video or a picture of another picture. It then does a facial recognition match. This is doing a liveness check that you're a live person. It does a facial recognition match to you and the picture on your ID. Then uses the security features on your ID to make sure it's not fraudulent, hasn't been tampered with, and then takes the data on it, which is your name, address, maybe date of birth, zip code, and matches that to the voter file, which the jurisdiction has provided from the voter registration system. Okay. So all this takes roughly about a minute. And if there's a match, then your identity is digitized, stored in a secure element on your smartphone, uh, locked with the help of a biometric credential, which would be a fingerprint, face ID, Apple Watch, or you know, Fitbit or a third-party device as well. Mm-hmm. And then all the documents you've provided are deleted because we no longer need them. We don't want to store IDs and documents to you know, increase the threat surface. So essentially at this point, your identity is tied to your device it's credential and only you can vote on this device and nobody else can. Okay. So, so you, let's move on to the voting process. I've got some questions about that, but so how do you know that the device hasn't been hacked or jailbroken or anything like that as well? How do you know that the, the, the device has integrity? We, we know, we know the identity of the individual to a fairly high degree using their biometrics and so on, but how about the device itself? Yes, so that's, uh, that's always a, a very critical challenge. And because we're using native smartphone applications, we have quite a bit of um, ability here compared to a web browser, where it's really hard to detect if you know, someone's computer is compromised or you know, there's uh, viruses and trojans. On a smartphone application, we are actually able to detect to a very high degree if your device is you know, jailbroken or rooted, or if it's got malware on it, mm. or if you're using an unsafe Wi-Fi network, or maybe you've connected your computer, uh, your phone to your computer, and you're trying to do something malicious. So while we wouldn't claim anything's 100% safe, uh, it to a very high degree, it can detect all these uh, recalls infractions and would actually prevent you from voting uh, unless you, you know, find a way to correct them and mitigate them. Okay. So, so we've talked about the individual. We've talked about the device. What about the network? How do you know that the data going from your device to the? I think we're getting into the voting process here. So, mm-hmm. but I, I want to know more about that and how how the data going from your device to being registered as a vote can't be tampered with. So maybe talk me through that element, because again, this is starting to make sense to me, but um, talk me through that bit. This, this seems, again, another vulnerability. Absolutely. So once you, once as a voter, you started to, you've got your mobile ballot now, you start to mark it, uh, you sign the affidavit, now it's ready to transmit. So a few different things happen. During the onboarding process, as you initially downloaded the app, there's what we call as a handshake process and a set of digital keys are set up, which are unique to you, your device, and the corresponding you know, uh, cloud infrastructure relevant to you. And so your traffic between your device and the network from that point onwards is double encrypted. It's going over HTTPS as the transport, 
And on top of that, it's using um, AES-256 GCM encryption. Okay. So <clears throat> it's double layer encrypted. And then it has a whole series of what we call as uh, tripwires on it. So let's say somebody intercepts the data along the route and is you know so advanced that they can even break two layers of encryption, they would invariably hit one of those tripwires and either the voter or the server or both would know that something bad happened and a transaction gets terminated and you have to basically start again. And so there are safeguards to prevent uh, data tampering. Another um, aspect we use, which is really exciting, is a double channel communication. So while what I described now is a single channel, um, the applications are also writing directly forensic data to a blockchain-based infrastructure, basically but, a tampering and ledger. I wondered where the blockchain bit was going to come in. Okay, so. <clears throat> yeah, so the blockchain infrastructure, when we initially started, as we were building the platform, it was a single channel communication. So the phone would communicate with the servers, the server would write to the blockchain, which only provided one aspect of security. And now we've evolved to the next state where not only is that first channel happening, the phone is also directly writing to the blockchain. So it's, it's harder for an, you know, an attacker or somebody who's being malicious to kind of bypass uh, both channels simultaneously. Okay. Okay. So walk me through the voting process. I'm, I, I've, you know, I've got the app on my phone. I've, I've registered myself to the, obviously the, the device and therefore gone through the security hoops. How do I vote? Talk me through that a bit. Sure. So once you've uh, completed the onboarding and you're, you've been deemed eligible to participate in the election, what happens in the background is this is, and this is set up even prior to the election is happening, uh, it has begun, is the paper ballot design is happening because the primary voting system still is using paper ballots and, you know, in-person voting. Yeah. So that's where the election initially gets set up. And as the paper ballots are designed, we get the digital designs from the jurisdiction and, you know, the control files. And so we convert them into a, a mobile-friendly format. So it's, you know, nice looking on your, on your smartphone. Mm -hmm. And so you get, as soon as you've completed your verification, within a few minutes after that, you'll get a notification saying, for your specific precinct, which is your in-person voting location, this is the digital ballot. So you can go in, you can start marking the ovals for the various contests. Um, and then once you've finished, you may be asked to sign an affidavit on the screen where you use your finger to actually okay. sign. And uh, that's a legal affidavit. And then once you're ready to submit, you, you still have a chance to go back and edit. But once you're final, you confirm with a, with a biometric credential, which would be a fingerprint, face ID, or whatever, you know, yeah. second factor you're using. The phone then encrypts the traffic, anonymizes it, and sends it off to the network like we discussed uh, a few, few minutes ago. Then you, as a voter, get an instant digital receipt. So the receipt is digitally signed, protected, and can also self-destruct if needed. And the, the goal of the receipt is to give you an instant confirmation as a voter that what oval you marked on the screen is what got transmitted to the, to the other end. Okay. And on the, on the receiving end at the jurisdictions and a paper ballot is generated for whatever ovals you've marked 
and it's the paper ballot which is actually tabulated. So that that's interesting. So I, I was going to ask about that. Uh, so there is a paper trail on this. You do get there is a paper ballot alongside. Yeah. Okay, yeah. right. Okay, uh, so you, you've checked off. I think most of the boxes for me. So what about what about scalability? So well, let's talk about. I mean, have you have you first of all have you tested tested this um, in, in any local elections or anything like that so far? Yes. So. Since uh, 2016, which is when we did our first uh, beta election, we've done 65 elections so far. Okay. Uh, 10, 10 of them have been governmental elections. So we were the first uh, such platform in the country and parts of the world in 2018 to be used in a governmental election. So it was with the state of West Virginia, uh, which became the first in the country at the time. And since then, we've done 10 pilots um, across... Uh, state governments, local governments, and county governments, and in the midst of our 11th pilot right now. And the way this is being rolled out is to the demographics who are the most disadvantaged in terms of voting by mail or voting in person. So we started with deployed military personnel who are you know, deployed away from you know, post office or in-person location, their families, US citizens living overseas, and then more recently, voters with a disability. So some voter can't, you know, has mobility issues or vision issues. Paper is not really an accessible option for them. Right. So they can actually use the app to vote without touching the screen using voice or other assistive devices. So those are the demographics we've been piloting on the governmental side. And on the non-government side, we've done... Uh, <clears throat> both the major political parties, universities, nonprofits, unions, so anybody, churches as well, anybody who needs a, a mobile or a hybrid election, we are able to support right now. So, it, I mean, it seems to me that, I mean, this is in many ways at, as secure, if not more secure than a lot of existing procedures in place for paper ballots or actually in-person voting. Um, so, What's the real pushback then? I mean, how, how do we get from where we are now to having this implemented, which is clearly in a lot of ways, again, um, a, a lot more democratic in terms of your, your opening up voting to a lot of people who physically, for whatever reasons, might not be able to actually get to, you know, the voting booth itself. So, I mean, what, what are the pushbacks you're coming across? That's, that's a very interesting question. I think there is a... There's a long-standing belief, it's almost two decades old, amongst um, some members of the academic community that because the internet will never truly be safe, that doing any kind of voting transaction is a complete no-no. Mm. And unfortunately, many of them are very dogmatic about it, which, is, which makes... Uh, innovations in the election space really, really hard. And that's why you see nothing much yeah. changing, you know, in the last two decades. So there's, there's that aspect of it. There's yeah. traditionally voting to a great extent is an emotional exercise, right? And um, emotions are sometimes swayed by things which are not logical. So a good example is the 2016 election experience where you know, there is this notion that something bad happened, some foreign actor, you know, compromised the election, even though 
whether they were actually able to manipulate an actual vote or a ballot that's right. that's not proven that's, that's, and they created a doubt right? right they created a doubt they spread misinformation and so that's i think that is a bigger challenge when it comes to technology in elections because anybody could spread a rumor which which may not be factually true but then you have to prove it with science and math which a lot of people are not willing to give credence to no i, I, I totally agree i mean i think another thing to think about as well is i mean we we we're using electronic voting machines that are archaic now as well so it's yeah. the that we're not moving with the times seems a little bit, um, I, I don't know, it's, it's. Um, I'm not sure the word I'm looking for here, maybe um, Luddite? Yeah, yeah, that, that's, um, that's uh, one, one good way to describe it. And we are doing sensitive transactions on our, on our networks, on the internet, on our smartphones, in other aspects of our life. I mean, you're probably familiar with Swift. Right. We recently, I mean, a lot of telemedicine is happening. I mean, that has secure, uh, similar security concerns, and people are doing it. And I mean, the the whole whole idea is that the human race progresses only by experimentation, and you know, the willing to push push the needle forward. I mean, we just sent a um, couple of folks to to the space station after right. ten years from this country, and the amount of failures and you know iterations and that process went through. Yeah. If, if we were to stop at the first phase and say, no, this is too hard, let's not do it, we would never right. have made any progress. Yeah, I mean, we, we can we can decode DNA, we can put a Tesla in space, uh, but we still pay for voting. It's, again, yeah. you know, go figure. Nimit, thank you so much for joining me today. That's Nimit Sawney, who is the co-founder and CEO of Votes, which is V-O-A-T-Z. And for Information Security Media Group, I'm Nick Holland.